and welcome to Detention. Joining us this week for the sports section of the Detention Podcast, we have Pat Fitzgerald again, Team USA, Caitlin Clark again, and the Women's World Cup. So a little bit different faces for this one. Starting off here, Cody, what do you call a botched circumcision? I've heard this before. Have you? I, I don't remember what it is. But I'm I've sure you it. probably have. Any guesses? Mm-mm. Oh, a ripoff. <laughs> Which can you imagine? Ow. No kidding. We're always uh, pro-choice in this podcast, so if you don't want to rip off your foreskin, that's totally fine. To be fair, though, most of them don't have a choice. It's always the father that says, yeah, let's do it. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you don't want to, I guess I shouldn't say your foreskin. Your children's, if they have a foreskin, if you don't want to do that. What a way to start off the sports podcast by talking about foreskins. Yeah, you're right. Well, because we're going to get into the biggest foreskin of all, Pat Fitzgerald, (laughs) uh, being ripped from his job. So, longtime head coach, which we talked about last time. That we recorded two weeks ago for sports that he was under hot water for being, you know, suspended for two weeks. Was it two days later? Literally two days later. Um, Pretty sure uh, it was two days later, that Wednesday. Yeah, it was. But he uh, is now fired, fired, like completely gone, out. Program completely ousted him. So this is a quote from the university president, Michael Schill. Uh, he said the head coach is ultimately responsible for the culture of his team being the main reason why he is being fired, adding that, quote, hate the hazing we investigated was widespread and clearly not a secret within the program, uh, providing Coach Fitzgerald with the opportunity to learn what was happening. Either way, the culture in Northwestern football will, or while incredible in some ways, was broken in others. Uh, continuing on, he said the hazing included forced participation, nudity, and sexual acts of a degrading nature and clear violation of Northwestern policies and values. So, yeah, it was interesting. And I've heard other sports commentators talk about this. There's a podcast that I listen to. They have a interesting theory on this. They go a little bit further into some things I don't quite agree with, but their main point initially was if you had this investigation that you've apparently started this past fall during the football program and the full, the, uh, year. Um, and you've been hearing these reports and you've known how bad it is and how widespread it is. Why put him on suspension for two weeks? Why wouldn't you just fire him immediately after the season's over, especially giving he went one in 11. That's great excuse to be like, you know what? We're deciding to part ways with coach because he has not been giving us the success that we want as a program at Northwestern. Right. I think that could be a good way of doing it. Give him a payout of whatever he's owed for his contract and just leave it there. Instead of letting it drag on, you knowing that this is an issue within the program and then having to be like, Oh, well, you know, he also did this and this is really bad, which could, you know, obviously harm the program itself too. Yeah, I. it doesn't make sense to me either. There's probably reasons that we don't know. But, if yeah, if you were under suspicion for a year, I mean, investigations take that long. Maybe they wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt of saying, well, we'll give you to the end of the, um, the investigation. And then it broke that someone like 
said, oh, hey, this is happening as well to the public. Mm -hmm. So now they have to actually immediately act. And it it could have been that the university maybe wasn't even thinking about firing him until the student-led paper at Northwestern that kind of, quote, broke this story uh, released an article talking about it. Maybe that's what ultimately led to the decision-making. I don't know. But it's still seemingly, even if the university knew that this was happening, that's clear grounds for firing or at least some type of long-term suspension prior to the one that just occurred, which doesn't make much sense. Um, The investigation was conducted by an outside law uh, firm, concluded that they did not find, quote, sufficient evidence that the country staff knew that the ongoing hazing, uh, though there were significant opportunities to find out about it. So they weren't saying that coaches specifically knew that it was happening, but there should have been instances where they should have probably came across it. Which is crazy because I actually saw a Bleacher Report article today that I put on here where former quarterback Lloyd Yates, who also was a receiver, um, filed a lawsuit. He's the first person to file a lawsuit over hazing. Mm. Um, There's way more to it than what I'm going to talk about, but the only thing I really put down is a quote from the – what affidavit or statement or whatever um, saying claims that members in the coaching staff were aware of those acts and in some instances subjected to them as well. Mm. And reading more in the article, it talks about different things that they had doing uh, running was the one that we talked about. Yep. Um, They talked about how that happened to coaches as well. Interesting. Um, And there was other things along the lines of, naked pull-ups and this one where it was what most people would refer to as a frat hazing where they were forced to drink a lot of alcohol and stuff and it wasn't optional Hmm. after different um, practices and so he's the only one who is a not a prosecutor but um, he yeah I guess he wouldn't be the prosecutor but yeah he's He's one of the people filing. He's the only person named to file the claim. Okay. Whereas there are four four former uh, football players quoted in the lawsuit. And then, I mean, if you just extends out past there where you have volleyball players talking about hazing and racism inside the volleyball department. So Northwestern is not having a good time right now. Yeah. Um... I guess I don't know much about the volleyball situation besides the fact that obviously any type of hazing is horrible. I didn't read into it too much. I just know that volleyball is another aspect of Northwestern athletics that's being talked about in the hazing situation. Which is so strange. You have a, yeah, it's technically a private college, isn't it? I don't know. I don't, I want to say it's technically listed as a private college. Um, Just north of Chicago, a pretty liberal city. Um, colleges and universities generally tend to be, you know, more um, leaning left anyway. So, uh, yep, it is a private institution. So, and that's why I guess why I always call them like a wannabe Ivy League school because they want to have those type of credentials, but they're just not going to get them. But, yeah, you would think that being in a situation of where they are located and just kind of the overall sense of how universities are in general, racial hazing and stuff like that seems to be, you would think, a little bit more 
Well, and think, above that, think I don't about know. It too, in this day and age, you can't keep anything quiet. That's true. Yeah, nothing will stay secret ever anymore. Yeah. Uh, Fitzgerald said in a statement that he was quote surprised when he learned that the president of Northwestern uh, unilaterally revoked our agreement without any prior notification and subsequently terminated my employment. He also went on to say in a statement that uh, he has a he and his entrusted agent. Brian Harlan and veteran trial attorney Dan Webb are to take the necessary steps to protect my rights in accordance with the law. So they are looking at suing the university. And I want to say the law firm that they are going with is the law firm that just fought for NIL rights against the NCAA. So it's a pretty big fucking firm that I'm sure they have all the necessary resources in their power to kind of get uh, Fitzgerald the best deal possible for him. And then the de- defensive coordinator, Bright, David Braun, is expected to be named the acting head coach coming into this season. So here's the positive news. Iowa should be able to kick the shit out of Northwestern this year for football. I, I also saw another post today that was like the top 10 easiest schedules based on last year's records. Mm-hmm. Iowa is like three. Yeah, it's supposed to be a there's fairly four, soft set schedule for Iowa this year. There's four Big Ten teams in the top ten. Mm-hmm. I think it was Maryland, Wisconsin, us, and Nebraska. Nice. Sucks yeah. that three of them are in our division. Uh, agreed. But, oh well. All right, next story. Running back pay controversy? Is this specific NFL, right? Then, yes. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. So there's been a lot of issues and talk about in controversy dealing with the running backs' contracts. Specifically with Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott. I think there's one other person. Probably not Zeke. Unless I mean, I don't think... I haven't heard if he's been picked up by another team yet. I haven't seen him either. And that might be more along the lines of him just being him, to be honest. Right. But... But, no, there's just a lot of issues because you're looking at these contracts that other positions are getting that are absolutely crucial. But I don't think you can make an argument that running back is not a crucial position. I mean, could you, in theory, run an air raid offense the whole time? Yes. You could. In the NFL, that's not the package you want. Right. It's just not going to be as beneficial down the road once you start getting into later in the season. It's not going to have the same power for most offenses. Um and I brought this up before we started recording. We discussed it a little bit of, I feel like a lot of these front offices look at running backs as a dime a dozen, right? There's just so many at this position that you could find at least a couple of competent guys that can, get, I, the, that can get the job done, which, yeah, true. That is probably right. I mean, Dallas Cowboys are a great example of Tony Pollard was not really a known name for the team until the last couple of seasons when Zeke was consistently getting injured. And he had to step in, and he made great production, right? Yeah, they they all know what to do. They know the gaps they need to hit. But you do have those special running backs in the league right now. Athletic freaks of nature. Who just make the position desirable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at Le'Veon Bell a couple years ago, Adrian Peterson, Mm -hmm. Danian Thomas, these historic running backs that they elevated the game in itself to something special. Barry Sanders, Mm -hmm. right? You look at these amazing running backs that everyone aspires to be, and right now we're looking at a couple of them. Austin Eckler is a nightmare, even though like his stature is crazy. That dude puts in work. You look at Derrick Henry, complete opposite, just 
huge, but also has the same amount of power. Mm-hmm. Then you have Saquon, you have Josh Jacobs, you have all these guys who are dominant and you're just going to really sit here and franchise tag them, not pick up their option and then cheat them out of money that they are working their ass off for when they're already having an issue with their rookie contracts. Cause you're exploiting them at pretty much their peak time mm-hmm. is what front office say. We'll just pay them a little bit of money until they're, rookie contracts and give them a little bit more because in another four years they're going to be gone. You don't know that. You don't know what's going to look like. Yes. And for you to sit here, and this is, I think the part that really irritates me about this situation is you look at CJ Stroud who came in as the second, no, first overall pick. He wasn't first. Who was first? Yeah, he was. He was either second or third. Bryce Young was Bryce first. Young. Sorry. Yeah. Bryce Young was the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Bryce Young signed a contract. It was either him or CJ Stroud. I can't remember. $36 million as a rookie who has never played a game in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You have Saquon Barkley. You have Josh Jacobs. You have Austin Eckler who have played and proven themselves time and time again in the NFL to be a production at their position and for the team, and you're going to pay them less. Yeah. So, And specifically the ones the one we looked into before recording was Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants, right? where uh, Daniel Jones, who is the starting quarterback, signed a contract extension earlier this uh, spring that we looked at that we're like, this makes no sense. He is not worth that much. Where over the next four years, he's getting $160 million. So $40 million a year, basically, right? And Saquon getting his franchise tag for the next year is only getting paid 10.1. So you're telling me that Daniel Jones, who is not an athletic freak of nature, and really not crucial in this aspect of Saquon Barkley is to the Giants' offense in the production that they can give you, at least, uh, is worth one-fourth of Daniel Jones's salary. Right. I mean, I can guarantee you, you take, I don't know, give me a name off a running back. That's... Any? Yeah, any running back. Oh, Tony Pollard. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, like, a starter right now. Oh, uh, that's not a starter. Who, I don't think who, I know any that aren't really starters, <laughs> to be honest. Like who, I wouldn't know who the backup for Las Vegas would be. I'm just trying to think of who uh, is a, a lesser known starter. Uh, Michelle, Tony Michelle. Oh, yep. great example. Yeah. He, he was one of the top picks in the draft in the last few years. Mm-hmm. One of the better ones. Hasn't proven himself. You put him on the Giants. Daniel Jones is not looking as good as he did last year. No, not no. Not but you at put all. Saquon in there. That's the reason why Jones Jones got the contract extension with the money he did is because Mm -hmm. of the production that Saquon gave him. Or even swap out the quarterback. Daniel Jones is a very kind of mid-level quarterback. He's not that good. I guarantee if you put, and I'm going to be a little bit biased here. Oh, my God. I swear to God if you say Dak Prescott. If you put Dak Prescott (laughs) in that offensive system with Saquon Barkley, I guarantee they are going to have way more production than Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. You need to just understand just that because Dak Prescott is not a good quarterback. But he's better than Daniel Jones. That's, I'll what, give you that's that. what I'm getting at, right? So like and I'm not saying that Dak Prescott would be worth $160 million. I don't think he's worth that much either. But just swapping out quarterbacks, you can get better production for a different quarterback that isn't also worth that amount of money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like the Giants are one of those teams that seems to be exploiting the rookie contract 
and then fucking them over when they get to the end for the fifth year option. It's kind of ridiculous. And I feel bad for Josh Jacobs because of it. Um, I feel bad for Austin Eckler because, again, he was put into a team that was not very good with the Chargers, and now they have a good quarterback with Justin Herbert, and they're starting to make more waves in their own division. It's a tough division because they have to play Kansas City, and now Las Vegas is supposed to be getting a little bit better, and Denver with Russ and a new head coach with Sean Payton. It's going to be more challenging. But I would argue they deserve more money in some aspects than the quarterback, depending on the caliber of quarterback. And Stephen A. uh, was talking about it on first take, and I agree with him in this aspect, is we need to look at it from a perspective of, because a lot of these owners are paying because of the position, saying, well, in the future you're going to be bad, which I already touched on earlier. But we need to look at the production that they're giving us based on the production of similar of the similar position, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the production compared to the rest of the running backs. How much are they doing in comparison and how much are they helping our team? That's where we need to make our decision on what we pay them, not like the positions in here, like, oh, the left tackle blocks our guy, the quarterback, so we need to pay him a lot of money because I can almost guarantee you they're getting paid less than the left tackle, mm-hmm. which, you know, is neither here nor there depending on how you look at it, but you need to look at the production level that they're doing. Yes. Because I saw a post, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I'm going to put it out there. I saw a post that said kickers are making more than running backs. Yeah, that somewhat worries me. They're not utilized nearly as much. They do have, obviously, they have longer longevity. They yeah. definitely play a lot longer traditionally, unless you're Frank Gore. But, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think kickers should be paying be paying more than running backs. Obviously, depending on other factors that go into it. But, yeah, they're only utilized at certain points. And is it a high-stress situation in those specific points? Yeah, but your one job is to kick, not run the ball 20, 25 times a game. Block. Yeah. Catch a pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that. Sometimes special teams. Yeah, true. I mean, uh, I want to say Saquon Barkley's put on special teams for uh, punt and kick returns. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Basketball stuff. Yeah, so this was actually the only thing I really cared to talk about. Um, So today, Team USA announced 14 names for the select team, and I have them. So who we have for the select team, which is... It serves as the opponent for Team USA during training camp for the FIBA World Cup that's coming up. Plus, it's a pipeline for future spots on Team USA. So the 14 names are Cade Cunningham, who's a guard from the Pistons, Chet Holmgren, who's a center from the Thunder, Jalen Williams, who's a forward for the Thunder, Trey Murphy, who's a forward from the Pelicans, Jalen Green, a guard from the Rockets, Quentin Grimes, a guard from the Knicks, Peyton Pritchard, a guard from the Celtics, Nas Reed, a center from the Timberwolves, Keegan Murray, a foreign forward for the Kings and a former Hawkeye. Uh, Jalen Duran, who is a center for the Pistons. Herb Jones, who is a forward for the Pelicans. And then these three names you're not going to know. Langston Galloway, who is a guard from the Skyhawks. It's a G League affiliate. John Jenkins, who is a guard in Europe currently. And then Eric Mika, who is a forward slash center for the G League Ignite. The last three are because traditionally there are players who have helped Team USA qualify for the Cup over the last two years, and those are those three players. Oh, so they've been on it before. They, they've, yeah, they've kind of like helped out. 
And so what's going to happen is when they go to practice, NBA scouts are going to be there. So not only are these first 11 people in the NBA, but these bottom three, some have been in the NBA at different points in their career. Like I was looking at Langston Galloway's and he had been on, I think, six to seven different teams since he was drafted or undrafted in 2014. Mm-hmm. But they have a chance to maybe could do a 10 way or a 10 day contract or potentially a lower depth chart position on a team. So it's just a option for them. But it's, I mean, it's nice that you're going to be going against some of the best guys in the league and who are on team USA. Yeah. Plus some of the best up and coming guys. So uh, that's the select team for Team USA. Just more opportunity to you know, hone in your craft and get better at certain skills. And, I mean, I think it's pretty evident with going to Keegan Murray specifically of some of the the summer the Vegas Classic that they just recently did uh, where the Sacramento Kings participated in. And he seemed really well, and he seemed to, like, expanded his game to the point of not just being a three-point threat, obviously, for setting the record for rookies this past season but also just his overall game and his willingness to be more of an aggressive player seems to be transitioning to where you need to be at least more aggressive and developing upon your other mid-range skills, getting into attack the hoop, all that kind of stuff. Just overall, overall well-rounding his game. Yep. Uh, Iowa sports news, Caitlin Clark wins yet another award. So we'll rush through this one pretty quickly just because she keeps racking them up. But she was named at the ESPYs award for winning best college athlete, um, uh, women's in women's sports. Sorry, this past, uh, not this past Tuesday, but a couple weeks ago, um, she was named the winner over fellow nominees, uh, Jordy ball, which is an Oklahoma softball player, easy skein, Northwestern lacrosse, and then Trinity Thomas, who is a Florida gymnastics player. Um, Clark became the first player in division one women's basketball history to set or to score 1000 points, 300 assists in the same season and is the fastest division one player, men or women's to reach 1500 career points over the past 20 seasons. She was also nominated for Best Breakthrough Athlete. However, Angel Reese uh, beat both her and Brock Purdy out to win that award. Uh, And then this is a little ending to this portion is that in her speech on stage, Angel Reese did the whole you can't see me hand waving motion uh, to the crowd. I don't know if she's not over the NCAA tournament where, you know, LSU beat Iowa. And that was kind of like the big controversy of after they won and Caitlin Clark throughout the entire tournament was kind of doing that to other teams. If she's just kind of picking that up and trying to create more controversy, I don't know. But I think she just does it because she likes the limelight. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that, that was a controversial thing. A lot of people, it, it divided a lot of people. It brought you fame and notoriety. Yep. I, I don't see a problem with it because her and Caitlin hashed it out, so I know that Caitlin probably didn't take it personally. Oh, I doubt it. So I don't really have a problem with it. I Do I think it's a little classless? Yes, but that was when it happened. Now I think it's just more of the fact that it's like kind of another stab that she's not, you know she's not taking personally, so mm. w- why not, you know? And to be fair to her, right, I mean, going into this past season, uh, her name was not one of the names that was ever being talked about for women's basketball on the national scale, right? 
Caitlin Clark was obviously one of them. And then throughout the season, it was a lot of people talking about how good Caitlin Clark is because she is rightfully really good. Get to the uh, tournament, Angel Reese starts making more of an impression on a lot of broadcasts, and then she ends up winning a national championship. So in a degree, I'm sure she felt extremely slighted. And then she is just continuously reminding everyone of like, I'm actually as good and I deserve to be here, which is right. I mean, she is good. We'll see because, I mean, just like men's college basketball to the NBA, sometimes people's games don't transition. Like Aaliyah Boston, her game is transitioning. Angel Reese Mm -hmm. might not. Yeah. I mean, uh, Caitlin Clark's will. You think it will? Oh, God, yeah. You, you You look at the type of player she is, it's something women's basketball has never seen. It's very Steph Curry-esque, where he came in making these long threes, very athletic. Caitlin does it all, and from ranges that no one else does. I do think her game is going to easily transition, because she's not a very selfish, selfish player, even though people think she is, because she scores a lot of points. She's always looking for teammates. It just so happens that she's the best scorer on her team, so she makes most of the points. Yeah. But when she has other professionals around her, if she actually wants to go into the WNBA, which I would imagine she does. I'd probably think so. She's not going to always be the number one option. She might be, but she's going to have other elite professionals around her that it's not going to be the Caitlin Clark show, but it could be as long as she's the facilitator. Mm-hmm. So I think her game is going to easily transition to the WNBA. Angel Reese might not. Meaning that Angel Reese's skill set is already very typical to what the WNBA has and would not shine. Right. Okay. Because it's very selective because there's only 12 teams. Yeah. It's not 30. Mm -hmm. So you don't have more options. It's you have the people you have. If they're not retiring, you would have to be really good to put somebody else out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen very often. True. And we're all looking for the next Sue Bird. Yeah. So... Caitlin could probably feel that a little bit easier. Yeah. All right. Last little bit of sports news. Uh, the Women's World Cup started this past Thursday. Yes. With the different uh, quadrant lineups. Yeah. So we have groups A to H. A is New Zealand, Norway, Switzerland, Philippines. B is Canada, Nigeria, Australia, Republic of Ireland. C is Japan, Costa Rica, Spain, and Zambia. D, England, China, Haiti, Denmark, E is the United States, Netherlands, Portugal, Vietnam. Group F is France, Brazil, Jamaica, Panama. Group G, Sweden, South Africa, Italy, Argentina. And Group H is Germany, Colombia, Korea, Republic, and Morocco. I saw, I was looking through the scores earlier, and I saw one game, well, one match. I think it was between Jamaica and Panama or Germany and Morocco. One of the two, if not both of them, six point. Goal differential. Meaning? Six to zero. Oh, okay. Because there's only been one game for every team so far. Mm -hmm. Or every quadrant. No, for every team. Every team has played only one game so far. Oh, okay. Except for, I think, Korea and Colombia. I think they play at nine today. Every team has played once, and one team got beat out by six goddamn goals. Six. It's It's a shitload of goals. Well, yeah, (laughs) but it's always interesting. So, like, there's a different level of competition, athleticism between men's soccer and women's soccer, right? But with that, I mean, men's soccer is a lot lower scoring because of the 
just different type of athleticism that's there. And you can tell that within men's soccer, it's not a huge discrepancy typically from team to team, Mm -hmm. unless you're team USA and then you suck, but we're getting better. We're getting better. But if you're, unless you're team USA, then you generally kind of suck. But for women's soccer, it's totally elites. It's it's literally, if you are, you're either really good or you suck ass. And luckily team USA for women's usually has always been very good. So we are at least competent and at least recognized on the world scale there. We're one of the leaders in the world. Yeah. I mean, we've won the last two, so we're looking for our third straight, uh, world cup championship. So I think it'll be probably a third just cause I, I don't know much about these other teams for competition. I want to say the last two that the United States has won, I think has been fairly easy for them. If I want to say they I did think, not win the Olympics though. No, but generally those don't have the same team makeups. So it'll be interesting. I know there's a couple of different players for um, Jamaica, no Brazil that are really good. Um, there's a couple players on different European teams that are supposed to be some of the best in the world. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think we have a shot to make at least, um, I mean, I have no doubt that we're not going to, we're going to make it into the world cup. I mean, cause the top two teams from each group advance. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a way that we don't. It'd be I pretty think, tough. Not, I think if we are going to lose early, it'll be the second round, not the first, but we'll see. Mm. All right. Well, that wraps up this week's episode for the sports uh, section of the Detention Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please spread the word and encourage others to listen as well. You can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1 or send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. You can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.